the Advent season. For those of you that aren't familiar with, with that, that's just a season of preparation before uh, Christmas, before the two major... <laughs> You're a jinx, man. <laughs> a brand new battery, so that's not it. We've tried to figure this out over the last couple of weeks, but... Here we go. If this doesn't fix in a minute, I'll just switch over to the other microphone. But it's a season of preparation between uh, the. Uh, um, I forgot what I'm saying now. We have the two major holidays of Christmas and Easter, and each of them have their own preparation seasons before uh, Christmas is Advent and before Easter is Lent. And so, what it's meant to do is help us focus in on what the the meaning of the holiday is. Uh, for Christmas, it, it is more than just gifts and stuff. Those things have roots in the story. Those things have purpose and meaning, but, but it's like anything else. When, when you forget to focus on something, pretty soon you forget what you're even doing things for. It, it, they, they lose all their original meaning and stuff. And yes, there's a reason we exchange gifts. Yes, there's reasons why we have Christmas trees and, the, and those kind of things. There's reasons for that. But, you know, it's so easy to just sort of go through the holiday and, not, and, and focus on the things that we do and the things that we celebrate and the ways we do it and miss the whole original foundation for it. And so what we're trying to do over these, these weeks uh, leading up to Christmas and even a couple weeks after Christmas is we're, we're, gonna, um, we're in a series called Unwrapping Christmas. And, and what we want to do is just remind ourselves, what is it that, that we need to be focusing on for the, for the holiday? I'm assuming because you're, you're here this morning, and it may be a bad assumption, but I, it's a, I'm assuming by the, the fact that you're here this morning that you at least recognize that the whole Christmas thing has to do with it, with something with church. And by the way, it's Jesus Christ, Christmas, it birth. It, so they go together. So don't be surprised that, that we're going to focus on that because really that is what Christmas is all about. Last week we talked about, uh, the, the title last week was You Can't Buy a Happy Christmas. And we, we love that. It sounds great. We know that in our heads, but you know what? The way we act all the time doesn't always match up with that. We can easily get sucked into the thing of, of keeping up with, well, they got me a gift. I got to get them a gift. Oh, the other, and, and we can easily think, oh, my kid's life is going to be ruined if I can't get them the whatever. We can fall into that trap so easily. We, we reminded ourselves last week that the most precious part of Christmas you cannot buy. It's offered as a free gift. And that's a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. This morning, we are... Oh, and by the way, we're, we're sort of going through Advent themes. If, if you want a devotional that will help you with that, out in the lobby, our worship team has gotten some devotionals out there. They're on that table out there. They got, they're purple and got a, candles on them. Um, they, they'll take you through the themes, these banners we have. They have, and there's actually a traditional order for them, and I screwed it up this year. So we're doing them out of order, and I'm pretty sure I'm ruining Christmas for everybody. But, uh, but no, I, but we're we're staying with the themes. But um, so if you wanna if you wanna get one of those Advent uh, devotionals, that would be a great way for you to do it on a daily thing. Gives you a little daily devotional to read and uh, put your mind on that. 
But this morning, the word we are going to talk about is, is hope. Hope. And uh, hope is one of those words that we, we don't always understand the way that it's supposed to be understood in, in the scriptures. We have, a, we have a way of using that word in our culture that has a lot to do with like what Jordan was. That was an excellent, I like the way Jordan demonstrated it for us because it gave us both aspects of it. She said, hope is like if I have a big hard test to take at school, I hope I do well. Okay, and, and here's the two ways hope can be. If Jordan was the kind of student I was in fifth grade, then Jordan would have showed up having done nothing to, in preparation for the test, but hoping that there's enough context clues within the questions and everything that you could figure out the answers, hoping that it's multiple choice, hoping that my teacher was in a good mood, hoping that it was an easy test, but it had nothing to do with expectation, it had nothing to do with confidence, it had to do with wishing. On the other side is a person like my wife who would have come to school after studying for a whole week and a half on the test and having read all the chapters and outlined them and, and putting them together. And she would have come expecting, hoping, expecting to do well on the test. Do you see the difference? One of them, one of them is just pure wish. You, you don't even expect, you, you, there's no expectation. The other one it's still hope. You don't know the outcome yet, but you have a confident expectation of what might happen. You know, there's lots of ways we wish in this world. There's lots of ways we wish. We wish that we could guess the right lottery numbers. Because I don't know, you've all told me, if you ever happen to win the lottery, I know the first gift comes to the church. So, I, I, I'm just, I can't wait for the time to test that theory. I hear it from everybody. You wish that someday your spouse would understand you and, and not say the thing that's going to tick you off when you walk in the door. You wish that one day your kids would just come home and empty the trash without whining or crying. You, we wish that BCS would understand that Florida should not be number two <laughs> and elevate Texas to, and keep Texas at number two and it would be an Oklahoma and Texas championship game in Miami. Yeah. We wish that Bob Stutes would just fall off the planet. I'm sorry, Randy, but no. <laughs> All right, enough football talk. But there's lots of things we wish for. You know, and that's just what it, it's a wish. There, there's, no, there's no basis for it. We've done nothing that's going to prepare us for us. There is nothing in life that has said, hey, this is something you can expect. And I think a lot of times when we talk, when we talk in, in Christian terms about hope, I think a lot of times that's, the, that's the, the, the feeling that they bring to God. Not a knowing, not a confident expectation, but a wishing. And I hear it all the time. You know, I'd, I hope I get to go to heaven. I, you know, I, I'm not sure what the test was, is. I come to church every once in a while hoping it's getting me bonus points, and I hope that 
that I get to go to heaven. I hope my sins can be forgiven. I hope that that my loved ones might might be taken care of. I mean, we have all these these hopes, but if we don't understand what the Bible teaches us about hope, it's really sort of an empty deal. It's really just sort of a gamble. It's, it's just an unknown. It's, it's why so many people that don't get it, it's why people looking from the outside in, why they just think we're crazy. Why do you put your trust in this God? What makes you think that something different could happen? What makes you think that he could actually affect who you are or how you live your life? But you see, in the, in the scriptures, the way hope is used, it has nothing to do with wishing. It has to do with a confident expectation of who God is and what he can do. Say that again. It is a confident expectation of who God is and what he can do. Let's, let's look at a passage in uh, Colossians. It's Colossians chapter 1. Written by Paul. To the people in the city of Colossae. Colossae, Coloss, Colossae, however you say it. And this is this is the introduction to a letter. This is him. This is, you know, a group of people who are believers. This is a group of people that have sort of come together. They're seeking out God. And, and this is some notes of encouragement to them. Now, reminding them of what they're, they're trying to do. And he says, We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which comes from, get this, okay, what did, I'm going to sort of walk us through this. I know. Uh, it sort of breaks it up for you, but I want you to, I want you to see some things here. It says, why was Paul giving thanks? He said, because he's heard of their faith in a person named Christ Jesus, right? And your love, not only for God, but for your love of people. You see th- two things at work we've been talking about over and over and over every week. That's what's expected in the Christian life is uh, faith and love of the Lord God. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and a love of people. And, P- and Paul is saying, we have seen this at work. We, we, are, we rejoice in your faith in God and your love of other people. And what's the re- where does that come from? Verse 5, which comes from, read it with me, come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in, he- in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. See, what Paul was doing, he was patting these guys on the back for for the for the relationship they had. And he was reminding them that this, this thing we, we call religion 
This thing we call Christianity is not just a game that we play. It's not just a, a ritual we go through. It is, it is actually a way that the world is changed. It is actually a way that we make the world a better place by being in it. It's actually a place where we get the chance to make a difference in people's lives. And he said the basis of it all, the, what drives you to love God more, what drives you to love other people more, comes from your understanding and your knowledge of the good news. The original term is, it for, is the gospel, of understanding the gospel. And I just want to make sure that you understand what the good news is. Okay? The good news this morning is not that there is a 15% sale at Macy's for, for, for the Best Buy has buy one, get one free. And I don't know if either of those are true. I'm just throwing things out. Don't go running down there. Hey, my pastor said it's buy one, get one free. I don't know that. But that is not the good news this morning. The good news that Paul is talking about, this good news that drives people into relationship, this good news that, that drives people into service for others, this, this good news that changes the world is this. There is a God who created everything around us. He made everything just the way he wanted. And at the height of that creation was human beings. You and I. We were the, we were the centerpiece of creation. And God offered us everything that he had. He offered us, there was nothing we were going to need. But because of our rebellious nature, because of our selfishness, because of our ego, because of us not wanting to submit to the authority of others, every one of us in some way have broken relationship with God. We've said, I don't want to do it your way, I want to do it my way. And you notice I'm saying each one of us, I'm not saying Adam and Eve because that, it, they're a symbol for what we all do. You can't blame it on them. You've done it yourself, Right? Every one of us, there's something we have done, at least one thing, probably since you got up this morning. You know, those of you that got in a fight on the way in the car this morning, I know, I get reports. <laughs> you, you thought that was secret, but it's not. Now, you've done something that's broken relationship with God. The bad news is, if you don't understand the bad news, you don't, you don't get the good news. The bad news of that is the result of our rebellion, the result of us wanting to run our own life, the result of us turning our backs on God is that we have no future. That if God is creator, if God is eternal, and we are outside of what he wants, that that's darkness and death. And that's what we've earned, and that's what we deserve. The good news is, though, that God didn't want to keep it that way. That he wasn't willing to start over. He wasn't willing to create another being. He wasn't willing to, to just write us off. He loved us so much. We're so important to him that even what we, can, what we failed to do over and over and over again, what we couldn't do on our own, he decided to do it for us. And what we celebrate at Christmas is the, is the beginning of the most amazing act of love and sacrifice that you can imagine. 
that an all-powerful, immortal, invisible God would put on human flesh, would leave the comfort of heaven, would leave the authority of heaven and come down to earth and put on skin, make himself vulnerable to, to disease and illness and, and death, that he, would, that he would come and be born in a, in a manger, surrounded by cows and, and sheep and, instead of a parade with armies and kingdoms and rejoicing. That God loved you so much he was willing to do that. And what we celebrate with Christmas, the reason we celebrate Christmas is because what that baby did 30 years later on Easter. That child that came in such inauspicious way. It wasn't just any child. A child grew. And as he grew, he taught us about who God was. He lived a life that showed us who God was. He showed us the potential within ourselves, that we didn't have to succumb to our own desires and wants, that we didn't have to be rebellious, that it was possible to put others' feelings, other, other people ahead of your own desires, that we could have a relationship with God. And so that child that was born at Christmas Traded the, the itch of the straw in the manger for the pain of a cross and the splinters of a cross and the searing puncture of nails and spears of hate. And he did that all because he, through that sacrifice, we get to have relationship with God. That, friends, is the good news. That we were separated. That we had no hope, we had no future, but through Christ, through what Jesus has done for us, we can know God. We can, in fact, he says, not only can you know me, but I will be your father. Not only can you know me, but I will give you everything I have. You can be a part of the work I'm doing. I will, I will wash away the things you did wrong. I will give you a new future. Whenever you stumble and fall, I'll be there to pick you up. I will be there when you're in the darkest valley. I'll be with you when you're in the, on the highest mountain. I will be there when you, when you need help. I will be there when you rejoice. I'll give you a purpose. I'll give you a meaning. I will walk with you. I will talk with you. I, will, I give myself to you. It's all yours. All you have to do is accept it. What Paul says is what, what, the, what the church in Colossians did, what we're called to do, is they took that good news, that amazing, wonderful news, that news that makes absolutely no sense, that an eternal God wouldn't just start over, that he wouldn't just write us off, but instead he would sacrifice himself on our behalf. That's the good news. And he says, out of that good news, we have a confident hope. And what God can do. Let me, let me chase this down with you just a little bit. Okay? I, I, know, I know from talking with you and from hearing and, and just sort of having my ears open and knowing what's going on, I know a lot of you are going through some tough times right now. 
Part of it has to do with economy. Part of it has to do with, with the stress that finances bring in relationships. Part of it has to do with, with health concerns and, 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 and the worries that come with that. For some of you, it's the, the family stress. It just seems like it's a broken record, and as hard as you try, you just keep, you just keep hitting that skip and jumping right back to where you were, and you just can't move past it problems with your kid. I know for many of you, you're going through some, some difficult times. And as we talk of hope, the way you're hearing it is, I hope, I wish. But the way God intends for us to hear it is that you can have a confident expectation that he's going to interact in your life. But Paul tells us in other places, if God was willing to die for your sins, when you were dead and deserved nothing, if he was willing to give his life for you when you were far off from him, now that you've been brought near, now that you're in relationship, can you imagine what he's willing to do for you now? If he was willing to sacrifice himself before you had even acknowledged his existence, now that you're his son and his daughter, can you imagine what he's willing to do for you? The other thing we're reminded of is this God is all-powerful. There is nothing that contains him. There is absolutely nothing that he cannot do. There is no impossible situation in, as you talk about God. I don't care how long you've been fighting with your spouse. It's possible to be reconciled. I don't care how, how empty your checkbook is. God can give you the things you need to survive. I don't care how long you've had this problem. I don't care how long you're alive. With God, there is nothing that is impossible. That is the good news. That's the confident hope that we now have. It's, it's the best gift. I, caught, I entitled this sermon, The Gift That Keeps On Giving. And the reason it keeps on giving is because once you understand who God is and the way he can act in your life, that gives, you, that gives you something for the rest of your life that no matter what life throws at you, you have a way to deal with it. Whether, whether things are going good or bad, whether there's tragedy or sorrow, whether there's joys and, and adulation, no matter what life throws at you, you have the ability to handle it because you have that confident expectation that God who loves you that God who demonstrated his love for you by sending his son, that that son who demonstrated his love for you by dying on a cross, that that son who demonstrated his power by being risen from the dead, who says, I am now with you, I am with you every day of your life, I will never leave you or forsake you. You never go anywhere that I'm not there. My, your body is now the dwelling place of my Holy Spirit. That God who says all of that says, I'm on your side. And as Paul writes in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's the hope we have. That's the best gift we could receive. Because, you know, even, even if tomorrow a loved one was taken from me, it would hurt and I would miss him. But I know that's not the end of the story. I don't have anything to fear in my life. People can hate me. They can say what they want about me. You can even shoot me tomorrow. But guess what? 
this isn't all of my life. There's a promise of where I'm going. And because of how God has demonstrated his love for him, because of the way I've experienced, I'm willing to take him at his word. As far as I've been able to figure out, God's never broken his word. He's surprised us. He's done things differently, but he's never broken his word. And so I'm, I'm willing to take him at his word when he says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm with you. Wow. That's the best gift that you can give yourself. But you know what? The other way it keeps giving is just what Paul talked about in here. The more we understand it, the more we're able to share it with someone else out there. And who do you know in your life that could use some confident expectation? You know, mo most of your friends out there, most of the world out there, they have a confident expectation. That confident expectation is that life sucks and that it's not fair and that you better take care of yourself because no one else is going to take care of you. But you know what? You have the, you have the ability to show them something different. Because of the hope you have received, you can change your family, you can change your relationships, you can change this world. That, friends, is the gift of hope, the gift that keeps giving. It's what we celebrate as we celebrate Holy Communion. That good news that we talked about, that good news is encapsulated in this sacrament. That good news that, that God didn't give up on us. That good news that God will do whatever he can to win us back. That good news that God keeps his promises. It's encapsulated in this, in this sacrament. This is where we rejoice and remember and celebrate and receive and honor the thing that Jesus Christ did for us. As he was gathered with his friends and, and the night before he was led to the cross, he, he wanted to give them a way to remember. He wanted to give them a way to celebrate. He wanted to give them a way to keep touch with this, this unexplainable gift. And so he, from the table, he, he took the bread and he broke it. And as they watched, he said, this bread is going to represent what I'm going to do for you. It represents my body that I'm going to offer as a sacrifice. I don't deserve it. And you don't deserve it, me doing it for you. But I'm going to allow myself to be broken for your sake. So every time you eat of it, I want you to remember that I love you. And he took the, the cup, he took the juice, and he said, this is going to represent the blood I shed on the cross. Before there was a sacrificial uh, system where you brought animals to the altar and they were, they, were they, were, they were killed and laid out on the altar. And that, you know, that was a bargain God made with you, but it didn't mean anything. Ultimately, someone has to pay the price for sin. And instead of you paying for it, I'm going to shed my blood for you. You don't have to shed your blood. You don't have to die. You don't have to pay the ultimate price because I'm going to pay it for you. 
And if you're willing to connect with, with what I, I do for you, what I offer for you, then you can receive this forgiveness as well. Will you pray with me? Lord, as we, uh, as we gather here this morning, as we get ready to, to partake in this sacrament, we first of all just want to pray that you would help us to connect with who you are, that you would remind us of the good news. And God, the irony of it is the good news for us was terrible news for you. It involved pain and sacrifice. God, even that didn't hold you down. You, you exalted even over that. And that's why we put our trust in you, because there is nothing that you cannot overcome. Not even death. That's why we put our trust in you. That's why we put our hope in you. That's why no matter what's going on in our lives this morning, God, we, we can see a light at the end of the tunnel. We, we may not know exactly how it's going to work out, but we can have that confident expectation that somehow, some way, you're going to make a difference. That somehow, some way, we'll be able to live with it. That someday, somehow, some way, you're going to make things right. As we participate in this sacrament, God, would you make these elements, even though they're just symbols, would you help the, for us to see them as your body and blood? And then, God, as we go out into the world, would you help us to act as your body and blood, to bring healing and, and ministering to a hurting and lost world? And we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.